Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, well, as many of you know, a uh, week before last, I was on the campus of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, uh, among other things, interviewing uh, candidates for the position of associate pastor uh, here at uh, St. Andrew. And uh, last week, our call committee uh, did video interviews uh, with two of those candidates, and next week, or I should say this week, you're going to be receiving uh, information and the recommendation of the call committee in anticipation of call day, which here at our church will be two weeks from now on March the 3rd and the 4th, when all the confirmed members of our congregation will be asked to vote to extend a call to Concordia Seminary requesting that one of those two candidates receive a call to come here and serve God as our uh, associate pastor. And the whole process then will culminate uh, on another call day, which is on May the 1st at Concordia Seminary, when in the middle of a chapel service on the campus, every one of the graduates of the class of 2019 will hear their name, and when they do, they will start walking across the front of the chapel. And as they walk, they will hear for the very first time, the name and the location of the church or the ministry to which they are being called. And that's it. <laughs> that's how you know where you're going. Uh, in my case, I had never heard of the church. I knew nothing about it. I had not talked to anybody in that congregation before. And back in those days, there was no such thing as the internet, so you couldn't even stalk them. And so the only way really to know what you were getting into was actually to pick up and go there. Well, even in these days of internet and church websites and Skype interviews like we had uh, this past week, it's still true that on that day, those future pastors really don't know for sure where they're going until that moment on call day. And I can promise you there have been some big surprises to people who thought they were going to New York and heard North Carolina, or other people who have received calls to places they never heard of in their whole life. And they find themselves walking out of the chapel saying, where is Kramer, North Dakota? <laughs> well, in the interest of uh, expectation management, I should also tell you that the Lutheran Church is suffering from a shortage of pastors and also seminary graduates. And so in the context of this new world of clergy supply and demand, it's possible that we won't get either of the candidates that we are likely uh, to request. So, you know, get ready for anything. But what I really want to do for you today is paint a picture of what I saw when I was out there. And that was a community of people who were faithful and they have heard the call of Jesus to serve, and now they're waiting for the call of the Spirit to go. And let me just tell you, you can feel the excitement. You can sense the anticipation, and even a little nervousness as they ask, where will I be going? What ministry will I be called to serve? And here's the thing, you know, it's not all that easy to keep that faith, to wait and to watch and to wonder, where am I going? 
And because those questions apply to all baptized women and men and girls and boys, and not just to present or even future pastors, this is my springboard for the call day that you just heard about in, Ma in uh, Luke chapter 5, where Jesus shows up at the, at the shores of Galilee, ready to teach a crowd of people who have been gathered around him. And he sees these two boats that have come into the shore, the owners of which are folding, they're cleaning their nets, getting ready to hang them on the side of the boat, much like firefighters get back to the station. And even though they're already exhausted, nevertheless, they still have hours of work to do, preparing themselves, preparing their equipment for the next call whenever it comes. And at that point in the passage, the reader really doesn't know that they've already had a very unproductive night fishing on the waters of Lake Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus knows, and the crowd knows, which is evidenced by the fact that Jesus gets into one of those two fishing boats, which he probably would not have done had it been filled with fish. And he tells Peter to push the boat out a little way into the shallow water so that he can teach the crowd from the boat and use it kind of like his pulpit or his lectern from the water. And so Peter does this, after which he finds out in a big hurry that it's one thing to go out into the shallow water. It's another thing when Jesus calls you to head for the deep. And before I get to uh, Peter's ultimate response uh, to that call, which you've already heard in the reading, I want to talk just a little bit about, you know, some of the possible reasons for why Simon Peter would have thought that what Jesus was calling him to do, where he was calling him to go, and when he was calling him to go there, were absolutely bad ideas one of which had to do with the fact that they were already in the process of cleaning their nets and hanging them back up on the boats for the next run, which was a, you know, a gargantuan physical exercise to begin with. Another having to do with the fact that it would have taken them a long time to launch those boats again and get out to the middle of that lake where the fishing was good. Another of which has to do with the fact that they had already been out on the lake all night long, and they hadn't caught any fish. And if they didn't catch any fish at the prime time to fish, what are the chances of them catching anything in the middle of the day with the hot sun beating down on the surface of the water, which moves the fish even further below the length of the fishermen's nets? And so with all of that going on, you kind of wonder what was going through the mind of, uh, of Simon Peter. In fact, you know, a few years ago, uh, some of us were in Galilee, and I happened to have a hotel room with a balcony that looked right out over the Sea of Galilee. How bad is that? And one evening, I sat on that balcony, and I saw the fishing boats still going out there to this day, late at night. And then this is kind of a guess on my part, but, you know, it occurs to me that, you know, when you think about Simon Peter and all the other times that, you know, he second-guessed the words and directions and the plans of Jesus, that maybe there was that moment where he said to himself or maybe to, to James and John, you know, check this out. Here's a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish. 
because Peter had that habit of second-guessing the plans and the call of Jesus. But here's the thing. When God calls you to do something in his word, his timing isn't always going to be your timing. His location isn't always going to be your preference. The thing he calls you to do may be the farthest thing from your mind. You may feel like you can make it out into the shallow water when what he's really calling you to do is head for the deep. Now, during my uh, time at the seminary, I was uh, asked to be a presenter at a class on pastoral theology. And pastoral theology uh, has to do with uh, the theological basis for the decisions that we make and the things we actually do uh, in ministry. And uh, uh, to talk about how pastoral theology actually works out here in the real world uh, beyond the ivory tower, which at Concordia Seminary is called Luther Tower. Uh, but before the class got underway that morning, this uh, young student uh, who I'd never seen before, uh, who actually looked like he could have played Peter in the movie of Luke chapter 5, comes up to me, introduces himself, and he looks at me, and he says to me, I think you baptized me. <laughs> really? And so we talked, and upon further interviewing, it turns out that his parents were members of the congregation that I had previously uh, served before coming here and had moved away out of the area shortly after he was born. And now here he is. He's got a beard. He's taller than I am. And he's heard the call of Jesus. And he's getting ready for the call of the Spirit to tell him where to go. I was just, you know, delighted to meet him and to hear that news and to remind him that that must have been a really good baptism. <laughs> so then he sat down and the class got underway. And I talked about, you know, my understanding of pastoral theology out here in and around the communities of Silver Spring, Maryland. And I told them, get ready. Because there will come a time when you get called to head out into the deep darkness where people are drowning in the ocean of grief and of heartache and of shame and of sin. They're, they're just lost, you know, for one reason or another. And you'll know when those calls come. And they will take you to places that you might not be very familiar with at all. And you might find yourself wondering if you're really ready. But when that call comes, you get to cast the net of God's good news so that they can get caught up in grace and comfort and hope in Christ. You know, I think of the pastor of the Lutheran Church in Newtown, Connecticut, who came here and spoke at the Wellspring Center here at St. Andrew to talk about what pastoral theology looked like in the aftermath of the tragedy at Sandy Hook Elementary School. I talked about other times when, you know, my experiences 
you know, dovetailed with experiences like that. I also told them, get ready, because there are times uh, that God also calls entire congregations to head for the deep. In other words, to do a, a, a new thing, to take a major step forward in the mission and in the ministry of Christ for the sake of his gospel and for the hope of this world. And to go far beyond, you know, the shallow waters of church life, you know, where everything's safe and it's stable and it's easy to control and you can predict it. And when that happens, if you're anything like me, you're going to bounce around between fear and faith and you're going to say, hey, Lord, you know, I'm not sure I'm really ready for this, even if you are. Some of you probably know exactly what this is like in your own personal, uh, professional, or spiritual life. So the bottom line is, you know, you don't know what his timing is going to be like. You don't know what he's going to call you to do. It may or may not work with your idea of what you're ready for. You may feel like, you know, you're, you're ready for the shallow waters and, you know, here he is. He's calling you to head out into the deep. The good news is that against the odds, and in spite of the logic, in spite of the frustration of that morning on the shores of Galilee, Jesus has something really big in mind for that impulsive fisherman, for his future, for his ministry. As Peter looks at Jesus and he says, you know, Master, We've already been out there all night. We caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, because you say so, I will go. I will head for the deep. And I will throw down the nets. I will do what you say do, because you are who you are. Because at the end of the day, it is the word of Jesus, and not the assessment of Peter, or you, or me, that has the power. It makes the difference. It gets the final say. So that on that day, Jesus gave that guy what he probably thought was the greatest fishing trip of his whole entire life, so overwhelming, so humbling, that he falls down on his knees and he says to Jesus, you know, I'm not qualified for this, I'm not ready for this, I'm not worthy of it. Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Well, Jesus does not depart from him. Instead, he issues the call. And he says, you follow me. And I'm going to make you fish for people. And you're going to cast the net of this good news into that ocean of heartache and that shame. And people are going to get caught up in this new life in Christ. And by virtue of your baptism, in a few cases, your ordination or your commissioning, you've received this call. It belongs to all of us. We have been called to go fishing for people in the name of Jesus. And if you think to yourself, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not worthy of this. I can't do this. Then good. Go with the feeling. And join the club. But know this. The Christ 
who transformed that impulsive fisherman into the guy who preaches at Pentecost when 3,000 people were hauled in. The Christ who sends him to baptize a Roman soldier stepping across the threshold and taking the gospel across and out of the house of Israel into the rest of the whole wide world pours out his power into your life, in your baptism, into my life, into the life of our church together so that we can take these steps of faith for the hope of the world and for the glory of the one who turns hesitancy into risk and takes the improbable and makes it more than possible for the glory of God. It happens. And so I don't know how it's going to go out there on May the 1st, but as I was sitting uh, in my plane waiting for it to get de-iced so I could fly back home after my trip to St. Louis, I thought about call day and all those people who have heard the call of Jesus to serve him, and now they're waiting for the call of the Spirit to go. I thought about my call days. I thought about some of your call days. I thought about our call days together. And I also thought about that great saying that our God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called for which we say thanks be to God. And then as the plane taxied out toward the runway for what proved to be a very bumpy ride home, I thought about that wonderful, beautiful prayer for travelers that we pray on Christmas Eve, on New Year's Eve, and on New Year's Day, and at other times. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, on pathways as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Blessings to you as you live in response to the call of baptism, as you hear the word of God, and you head for the deep for a good catch until he calls you home to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.